It's March 29th, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Before we begin with the interview, I just want to let you know that I'll be in St. Augustine, Florida on April 19th and 20th as part of the Better Photo Summit, where I'll be speaking alongside photographers Lewis Kemper, Kerry Drager, and Jim Motke. Spaces are still available, and I hope I have an opportunity to see some of you there. As well, a new session of classes is beginning next week at Better Photo, and as a listener to The Candid Frame, new students can enjoy a discount by using the promo code BPCANDIDFRAME. So if you can take advantage of either, please do. Today's guest is Miriam Romes, the executive director of Enfoco, a nonprofit organization that supports contemporary fine art and documentary photographers of Latino, African, Asian, and Native American heritage. It was started 35 years ago in the Bronx by a group of Puerto Rican photographers to serve as an outlet for work that was being too easily overlooked, by the mainstream art world. As well as her work with Enfoco, Miriam is also a photographer and curator. Her own work has been published and exhibited in numerous galleries and museums throughout the country. Some of her work is focused on her other passion, motorcycling. The life of a photographer often occurs in a space of isolation or even obscurity. But the work of Miriam and her team at Enfoco provides an important means for great work to be discovered, nurtured, and shared. You'll find a free PDF of a recent issue of Enfocus magazine, Nueva Luz, available on the Candid Frame website for download. If you like what you see, please consider subscribing to the magazine and showing your support. But now, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Miriam Romes. Well, Miriam, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm glad you found your time uh, in the midst of your travels to, to talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So tell me how you began your your interest in in photography. I, you know, that's, um, let me think. It, uh, I would say high school. Uh, somebody gave me a camera and I just never put it down again. Mm. <laughs> Um, I've been I've been shooting ever since. Although I I do recall when I was much younger um, that my dad bought a camera off some guy that was hawking something in Central Park, and uh, I remember playing with it. I have no idea what, of course, happened to the camera, but I was always, you know, intrigued by photography um, from early on. So, and when you you um, were studying primarily um, or, or working as a freelance photojournalist. Is that right? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did quite a bit of freelance um, and yeah, photojournalist documentary. Um, yeah, I was always attracted to longer term projects. Um, and I did quite a bit of shooting in, in Brazil, which is where my family is from. Um, I worked in uh, documenting sugar refineries, um, soy production, the production of tea, erba mate, 
which is really popular in um, uh, South America. Well, what's the appeal to you of those of long-term projects? I think that for a lot of our listeners, they may not be as familiar with, um, uh, you know, what what that involves, particularly for photographers um, who who may dedicate, you know, more than just a, a couple of days to a project. Why don't you Why don't you explain um, what that is in general and what it is for for you? Well, for for me, it was it was more of of a of a desire to truly understand, um, and you know, uh, that's not to say that I that I do. I believe that you know, uh, I'm the lifelong learner, always searching for um, further understanding in something. But just having having like a human connection that goes beyond just taking a couple of quick snaps and, um, you know, and moving on to the next thing. Um, you know, I really admire the folks that do photojournalism and can get into a situation and document it, um, efficiently. Um, but I just, I, I, I did, I don't have that tempo in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I really like just really building, building a connection, getting, uh, spending a little bit of time with who I'm photographing, you know, getting to learn a little bit about, you know, their life, their families, how, how did they get to a certain place? Um, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, at least I hope that, uh, I can, and it can make a sensitive portrait of the situation, um, you know, with, with more information, like, you know, with that background. Um, I was. I, I took a lot of anthropology classes in college. It was almost a minor. I couldn't make up my mind between a variety of things, but <laughs> uh, photography was never a doubt. But you know, then there was anthropology, and uh, so I think that background also informs uh, the way I, I think about uh, photography as well. You know what? I see that you do a, as well as your work as photographer. You've worked as a as a curator as well, and I'm wondering how that experience, um, working with photographs, working with photographers, has has colored and influenced the way that you see photography and and your your own personal work as a photographer. It, it's an interesting thing. Um, Starting to curate other people's work takes a load off of your shoulders when it comes to editing your own work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it can be stressful. It's like, you know, oh, is the editor going to like this image? Should I trim it down further? You know, uh, what if they're looking for something else? Maybe I should include that one. You know, like there's so many things that go through a photographer's mind um, when you're trying to put something together. But curating when you're dealing you can be completely impartial because it's somebody else's work but yet you have your own vision of of how you see the final exhibition going so uh, it was uh, i highly recommend it I, I think you know every photographer should try curating somebody else's exhibition <laughs> as as a learning experience that then they can go back and when they go back to thinking about their own work it it, it kind of adds like a new layer um yeah, you know, in that sense, um, I just did a show at Lightwork in Syracuse um, this past fall, 
and uh, I worked with four really incredible photographers, and um, they put together an exhibition catalog, which you can get through at uh, lightwork.org. Um, but that was, you know, it's also nice to learn the entire process as well, you know, what's involved with putting together something like that, because I think it makes you aware of... Um, you know, if there are photographers that are looking to have exhibitions of their work, aware of what a curator goes through, um, and it makes I think you a little bit more empathetic for for their job. Yeah, um, yeah I was I was talking to a photographer today who I've interviewed uh, a couple of months, a couple of years back actually, Dan Milner, and we were talking about how the the fact that so many images are made digitally now. Mm-hmm. And that people don't actually make prints and then merely look at the images on the screen makes the process of editing even more of a challenge because there was something about actually having to make the choice of printing the images in the first place that mm-hmm. made the whole process of editing uh, a sort of a, a must as part of learning to become uh, a photographer, becoming a better mm-hmm. photographer because that whole process of learning how to edit your own work was an integral part of, of, of everything, you know, for you to eventually see that final print. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your perspective on that, particularly, you know, with, with so many portfolios and, and, and you're seeing so many, uh, so many bodies of work that are destined not only for the magazine that your organization publishes, but th- that you also have to curate? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, we've seen an interesting shift over the past several years. Well, not interesting. I mean, it's it's inevitable, really. Um, there were, for a number of years, it, you know, we would always get prints and slides. And then um, it, it, it was a complete, you know, turnaround to the point where um, we have we have a photography awards. Um, uh, well, I'd like to mention the call for entry Uh you know, at some point, but um, it's called the New Works Photography Awards, and um, our last submission, we only received one submission that was print, and everything else was digital. Um, I think it does change the way people think. Um, I think also the idea of... um, I think the the brain is wired differently also for thinking in black and white versus color. Um, it, that's not to say it's, you know, good or bad or, or anything like that, but just I think there is definitely a different process involved when you're looking at something on the on a screen and when you're printing things out. Um, what I end up doing uh, for curatorial any kind of curatorial work but also for Nueva Luz photographic journal is I'll I'll print out thumbnails like I'll just make a contact sheet of all the images I'll print it out I'll actually grab a pair of scissors and and cut them all up and I just shuffle them around like I'm you know moving around a deck of cards till I find a flow that I like um so even when I'm not even if I just get digital images, I still go through the process of, you know, I already know what the work looks like. Because um, either, either I'm familiar, I've become familiar with the artist, or I've seen prints at a portfolio review. Um, uh, so, you know, just having that quick little reference 
um, does does help because you get the global the global feel for it, not just you know the couple of images that you can put up on a screen at at any time. You have unless a, you have a really big screen. <laughs> <laughs> you have an opportunity to look at a lot of work, not only you know when people are submitting stuff for the magazine or for for exhibition, but right now you're at SPE. Um, and you you have an opportunity to look at a lot of student work. Um, mm-hmm. How do you uh, how do you perceive people's ability to to edit efficiently when it comes to their work? Are you seeing any sort of change? Is it pretty much the same it's always been? Is it getting weaker? Is it getting stronger? How how do you, how do you sort of see that? Well, it, I think huh, it, it's hard to say with students because. At that point in their artistic career, they're still learning how to put stuff together. And I think a lot of editing comes with the actual experience of just trying something, see if it works, getting feedback, oops, okay, they didn't like it, let me try something different, you know, just just going through, um, just going through that. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I can really say if it's the same or if it's different mm. um, in that sense. Well, when it comes to, to edit, let's let's talk about then what what you're hoping to see. Because when I when I take a look at work, I'll just speak from my own perspective. Oftentimes, <laughs> when I see some work, I'm kind of getting the sense that they're looking at pictures and putting together pictures that they that they like or that demonstrate some sort of um, technical proficiency that there mm-hmm. seemed to be like a lack of of a cohesive idea or or theme that sort of connects them all. They are mm-hmm. trying to project and trying to think of how the person who's going to view it is going to react or, or going to be looking for it. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I perceive. And I was wondering, is that your a similar experience for you, or is it something different? No, it's it, it is similar, and I think you hit the nail on the head. The cohesiveness of of the imagery, a cohesive idea, but the imagery that actually follows through, um, you know, what the artist statement might say. <laughs> mm. uh, oftentimes, in in reviewing uh, or being on panels, um, the you know the the work looks great, but when you look, when you read what the statement of what the work is supposed to be about. It, they don't mesh, and I think that um, the intent of the artist is really important, um, and hopefully it comes through in the imagery as well. But some things just really require a lot more context. Um, I think, especially in documentary work, but um, putting <laughs> putting together a uh, cohesive portfolio is. It's probably a challenge for a lot of people, at least until they get in the flow of it. Um, and Foucault does a, uh, a series of workshops, and one of them we call foot in the door. It, it's just the idea of what it takes to get your foot in the door, um, you know, whether it's, you know, your toe is in the door, you know, in the door frame, holding it open a crack just so you can, you know, get your work seen. But we talk quite a bit about um, the cohesiveness of a body of work and how important that is, as well as technical quality. Um, Sometimes the content of an image might be really important to the body of work, but if it's technically not sound, it can be really distracting and work against the photographer, I think. Um, So just, you know, getting 
getting people to understand um, certain uh, requirements from the point of view of editors and curators, I think, is is helpful. Yeah. Well, I, from looking in, in, in looking uh, at your website and reading a little bit about you, I hear, I see that you're an avid motorcyclist and that you've dedicated uh, a good amount of time and work uh, to sort of documenting that, that passion. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you about how important do you think personal passions outside of photography are for an artist? I, I think it's... You know, your your work is your passion. Um, you know, hopefully everybody is, is really fortunate enough to absolutely love whatever photography, you know, gig they have or, or you know, anybody in, in, in any walk of life. But um, to have two things that you just absolutely adore doing is is challenging because it's like okay well how many cameras can i pack on my bike if i'm going cross country <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know you, um and, and at one point i started um uh, I started merging the two passions. Uh, I started doing a bit of shooting for the Motorcycle Safety uh, Foundation. I have a, um, a series of images that's in their uh, book, Motorcycling Excellence. Um, so for a while, I was actually thinking about, well, maybe maybe there's this is a niche that I can do really well um, well in. I was actually on your website uh, looking at the Candid Frame 66 with Robert Carrion going, oh, hey, yeah. he shoots for BMW and Harley. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, but, you know, the uh, motorcycling is something that I just adore. <laughs> and so much to the point where I'm also motorcycle safety uh, rider coach trainer. So I train riders how to become coaches. Um, and uh, anyway, I digress. See, you brought up motorcycles, and that's what happens. Um, but I think I think it is important because it fills the soul different in a different aspect than just um, the art. You know? And I think it's I I think it's interesting when I find, you know, um, because our, uh, f- photographers are naturally obsessive people. You know, it's, and and it's but it's good to see, you know, someone who has multiple passions that is actively uh, involved in in both, because I think in this culture we tend to think that you can only be focused or passionate or or committed to just one thing, mm-hmm. and 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 I think you're a, a great example of how of how your multiple passions can be sort of gelled and merged together to provide great opportunities for both. Thank you. It's it's not easy, I have to say, but <laughs> but it's definitely fulfilling. Um, you know, at this point, you know, between uh, Enfoco and, and um, working with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, doing my own work, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine having any other life because um, it really, it really is um, a labor of love. Yeah. On, on all accounts. So. When when you're using the camera to document that that experience and that part of your life, what are you what are you hoping to capture and express in the in the, in those images um, that you th- don't think would be conveyed otherwise? Is it your own personal connection to 
to the you know the act of, of, of biking or is there something else that you're hoping to express in the body of work uh, well it's it's really um, it's really personal I think um, you know a lot of a lot of the images after I look at them you know I, I tend to I tend to just shoot from from the gut um, and just something will inspire me and just something says, okay, you should click the shutter now. And and it's not necessarily, you know, of course you recognize what might be, you know, the decisive moment or, um, but for when I'm, when I'm doing that type of work that, um, that deals with motorcycling, it's really just, it's just, about, it's really just about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motorcycling can be a very solitary activity. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is my passenger every once in a while. He doesn't ride a bike of his own. Um, we get a lot of stairs, which is fun too. <laughs> but um, but the work itself is um, afterwards is when I look at it and I say, okay, now I can. I did. Uh, I did have something subconscious going on here, and I can pull this together and. And this is what I could do with it, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, for use in a magazine or, um, or just in an exhibition. I'm, I'm more of an exhibition kind of gal these days, especially. Yeah. Well, I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I have, um, I have a work, I have work in a show that's up right now at, uh, John J. Art Gallery. It's a, it's a college here in New York. And uh, it's completely different work than I've ever done before. It's kind of a little bit of an experiment because um, it's very abstract. Hmm. Um, but uh, no motorcycles and and no uh, no people. <laughs> really, really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I'll when when I'm comfortable enough with the idea, I would probably post it on my website. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also nice to be able to not necessarily reinvent yourself, but um, be open to, to new things that might inspire you, you know, because people, people change, ideas change, times change, you know, work can change too, I think. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, um, motorcycling being a very, uh, being an activity you often do alone. And, and, and that's also parallel to what, Photographers often do. They're often working alone. But mm-hmm. with Enfoco and the work that you do there, you are part of creating a a community of mm-hmm. photographers, you know, who, who are of Latin, African descent, Asian descent. And you create a an environment of interaction and 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 you know, an opportunity for people to connect, to to look yes. at each other's work. And tell me about why do you think that is so important, especially for for artists of color. I think there there are a lot of artists that feel isolated, and whether it's just the nature of you know being behind a camera or not, um, I think that there are still a lot of artists that feel isolated by the media, by you know the the galleries, by the museums, by, you know, whoever is getting, you know, the, the gigs that, um, can, can really make a difference in their careers. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of artists that come to us that, you know, will have joined, you know, other organizations in the hopes of finding where they feel they they truly belong. And, um, and they've had a little bit of a, you know, we hear that they've felt most at home with, with us uh, because whether they could speak, you know, openly or they didn't, they didn't have to censor their own work. Um, and, and by censoring, I mean a lot of, uh, you know, we deal mostly with fine art photographers um, or they might be commercial photographers that have their own, you know, personal work. So, um, in the mainstream art world is, you know, there are certain trends. And if you don't have work that fits within that trend, it becomes harder to be, to get seen um, or, you know, to get your show or, you know, whatever the case might be, get that extra little boost in, in your career as an artist. So, and Foco becomes in a way a haven where regardless what your work is about, I mean, it can be culturally based can be about you know uh, issues that are happening within an African American community or a Native American community or um, whatever the case might be. It doesn't have to be, but um, you know certain certain things are are motivated by you know what's what's hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess like anything else, but um, but yeah, the the sense of community is very is very strong, and this is Enfoco's thirty fifth anniversary year, um, and uh, we'll be we'll be celebrating it with a variety of events throughout the year. So t- tell uh, tell my listeners what Enfoco is, and how it how it came about, and and what role has it played in the photographic community in in New York over the last thirty five years. Well, um, it was founded in New York, in the Bronx, uh, in 1974, and it was started by a group of Puerto Rican artists that felt that everything that they were seeing in the media and, you know, in the newspapers, um, on TV, um, and in the art world was... Uh, very stereotypical of what their communities were like. And um, they wanted to change that. You know, and as the saying goes, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's what they decided to do. Like, they started getting together with meetings and just supporting um, each other, um, you know, reviewing each other's portfolios, um sharing information about, you know, what, uh, you know, who to meet, who, where to send their work. And it grew into, um, into a larger and larger network where they, you know, they incorporated and Enfoco was formed. Um, and it uh, expanded to include uh, photographers of other cultures that were also feeling the same challenges um, of, of wanting to to have work seen that really expressed um, a dignity of their communities, but also um, that they could be just as good a photographer as, you know, the the Caucasian photographers that that were well more well known at the time. Mm-hmm. I and think, I suppose mm-hmm. it's still said today, but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, go ahead. No, I, I think it. 
you know, I've always been excited about the work that you were doing there because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, been obsessed for photography since I was eight years old. But for the for the large part, the history of photography has been made up of largely European and American photographers. Mm-hmm. But the photograph photo- photographic process has been available, you know, for 150 years to people from all over the world. But unfortunately, we don't have even today. Uh, it's not so easy to discover. You know the the unique strong voices that are out there. It's it's not, it's it's. Well, let me not say it's easy. It's not easy. It's just it's it takes a bit of effort to dis- yeah, uh, to exactly. discover it. Yeah, and and you're you're right. It's um, I, I think being being in New York, you know, we're we're fortunate enough that um, you know, and and possibly because you know we're there, we've been there for so long. Um, you know, people people tend to you know trip over you know and <laughs> like oh yeah and focal okay um, or you know they'll they'll go to one of our exhibitions and and uh, you know become uh, a supporter or a participant in some way but uh, it, you know beyond New York um, the organization is national in the sense of Nueva Luz. Yeah. Uh, we really, you know, like Enfoco took the idea of, of supporting each other, the next step um, of, you know, what happens when an exhibition comes down. It's as if it never existed unless there's a document. And if a Latino photographer isn't included in the history of photography books that are shown in school, well, let's create a publication of our own and then send it out to people so that they can be seen. And maybe the effort of knowing about photographers of color is is then not so difficult. Yeah, and I appreciate the database that you guys have on the site where you have photographers that you have profiled or exhibited there with links to their to their site because it was it was a joy to have just one place where I could go and discover some fantastic, fantastic work. Oh, that's great to hear. Thank you. Um, one of you know one of the things. Uh, yeah, we do have uh, the photographers section on the website, um, and we hope to be able to start building backwards in time. Um, we launched the website, and uh, I don't know when most people launched websites. I guess mm-hmm. you know arts organizations in two thousand and one or so, uh, to th- or the year two thousand. And well, this version of it anyway. Um, so whatever we had handy during during that time, and you know, they're on till today. Everybody's in here, but we need to start building back. You know, two decades of of artists. And um, if anybody wants to volunteer, to <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is exciting, and we also have a permanent collection that's spans the 35 years as well and i gotta say that you know the process of looking at this historical archive is really moving Mm. Um, i'm hoping that um you know within the next year we might be able to curate an exhibition from the collection and travel it that's one of my many dreams here (laughs) i'm sure there's nothing there's not a shortage of things for you to do over there yeah um Tell me about how, you know, the, the, the sort of 
the internet, the, the, the ability for people to communicate from all over the world so easily and effortlessly changed the work that you're doing, if at all. It gave us so much more work. <laughs> mm. um, we get, yeah, of course, you know, there's, there's a lot more inquiries. There's a lot more um, uh, interest, but it also gave us the ability to reach out into areas that we would have not been able to otherwise, um, you know, and learn what's happening and, you know, what's going on in photography in Mexico or, um, you know, Argentina or, you know, where, wherever, wherever else. Um, so it, I think in, in a lot of respects, it's quite exciting. I just came across a, an organization in the Philippines, actually, several weeks ago when I was just doing a little bit of research on photographers. Um, so it, it opens up just so, so many more possibilities. Um, and Foco's primary mission, though, I should say, is photographers living in the U.S. Um, but, you know, we still we still enjoy uh, looking around and we'll include artists um, from abroad if, if it, uh, you know, if, if their work really fits within the mission, then there's, there's no reason not to. I mean, borders, you know, change as, um, as we've seen happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think the internet really um, was a big part in that as well. You know, there are a lot of trends in, in photography, and I'm wondering within, you know, within your particular perspective and all the body of work that you're seeing, are you seeing any sort of particular trends right right now that either like like or wish would or wish would go away? I wish would die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, there's the, uh, there's the, you know, if it's big and in color trend, you know, Mm -hmm. then you'll get a Chelsea gallery. Um, and yeah, I'm speaking facetiously, you know, uh, but, um, I I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I watch the trends. I, I know they'll probably pass and my interest might be slightly different than what, whatever the trend is. So, you know. Um, conceptual work, uh, is something that I, is challenging for me to, um, to take in. Mm. I've seen some very good conceptual work, but for the most part, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, but then again, look at my work. It's like a documentary. So, you know, who am I to talk? (laughs) Uh, Is there, is there, in terms of your own personal, uh, taste or preference, is there something that you are always looking forward to, to, to discovering or, 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 or seeing in a body of work when it, when it gets sent your way? What is it that, that when you see really excites you? Is there a particular, you know, uh, approach? Is it a, a subject matter? What, what exactly is it that... I know it's, it's a pretty broad question, but I'm wondering whether you, whether you have something that you go... That you're always hoping to discover when you open up a, a package or a portfolio online. Um... It varies. Um, I think the most important thing is that the body of work holds together. You know, again, back to the cohesiveness of a of a of a body of work, um, and that you know the images are of one series as opposed to five different things. And uh, so, you know, that that's like the the baseline. You know, technically sound, 
whatever that you know means, whether it's you know lighting or quality or uh, composition, um, but cohesive. Beyond that, um, just thoughtful, thoughtful work. Um, something that might illuminate an issue that maybe not too many people are familiar with um, or putting a new spin on, on something. Um, you know, there, there are folks that say that, you know, everything, everything under, there's nothing new, everything under the sun is just, you know, it's all been done, but you know, that, that is probably the case. But there are still ways of, of reinventing what has been done and, yeah. and shedding new light. Um, I just uh, I'm really excited about uh, a body of work um, by this photographer in Argentina, um, and he shoots large format with a large format camera at night, and he uses just the moonlight and you know brings whatever. You know, uh, I don't even know if he uses strobes. It's literally in the middle of of the woods in Argentina, down the Paraná River. And <laughs> yeah, I met him uh, a couple of months back when he was out here. Oh, great! Yeah, he was here with Reza, um, the National Geographic photographer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, it, yeah, it's absolutely stunning work. It really is, and that just really um, blew my mind. I, it was, it seemed so new and fresh, but also the thought behind it of documenting those unseen communities. Um, so, so it, it kind of, you know, it was inci- That was exciting on me on on a variety of levels. Um, we are exhibiting. At Enfoco, an artist right now called Rogelio Reyes Rodriguez, and um, when he first came to the office, he dropped off a box, and uh, Marisol, my program director, and and, um, and he called me, and she's like, you know, you have you have to you have to see this, and I'm like. Oh, curious because the suspense was killing me you know it's like I had to wait till I got into the office and it was this gorgeous wooden box with like a golden latch and you open it up and inside is um, a nicely packaged um, you know like prints like just gorgeous absolutely luscious prints um, portraits that he shot in Mexico um, and the the body of work is called Mi Sangre, which means my blood, and it's 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 his search uh, or his exploration of his Mexican heritage. The portraits are gorgeous. Anyway, in this box is also next to it a bottle of tequila, <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, now that is something that will make you sit down and pay attention. Um, it, it was it was a nice presentation. It, it wasn't necessary, of course, because his work is is stunning and it would speak for himself. But, you know, as a photographer, how do you get when when you're submitting your work to somebody who sees work all the time? You know, what do you do to make it rise to the top of the pile? Yeah. You know, what what can you do? So, you know, that was just 
it, it was a humble presentation in 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 some ways because it was very simply done, but it was just it was beautiful. It was a beautiful presentation. Wow, and some good tequila, I take it. And you know, I haven't I haven't opened it. It's still yeah, it's still sitting there because um, I don't want to I don't want to disrupt the. Uh, the the essence of the package. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, but, yeah. um, what do you see as the probably the biggest mistakes that people make when they are submitting a body of work to uh, 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 to you? Um, you know that's that's a great question. Um, I would love to talk about that. And you know, saying this, keeping in mind that Enfoco has several call for entries that are that are happening in the next several months. So, um, the, the New Works Photography Awards deadline is July thirty first, and we have um, we're doing a competition. It's our first competition, and it's going to celebrate, help you know, kick off our thirty fifth anniversary year. Um, the competition deadline is June 24th. So to get back to the good stuff, the, um, the, the, I guess the, the, not to call them pet peeves, but I can't think of anything else. You know, sometimes we, we can all be our own worst enemy. Um, trying to include too many bodies of work in one submission so if the submission calls for 20 images like new works does the the thought process on our end behind that is to get a sense whether the photographer can uh has the vision to sustain and fulfill a body of work that's large enough to curate an exhibition from um you know, oftentimes a, a couple of images of this, a couple of images of that, you don't get that sense of consistency and it makes the artist look like um, like they just, they're not quite sure of themselves and what their vision is. And if the artist can't express it, then, you know, how is the viewer going to be able to sense that? So, so that would be, that would be one thing. Um, uh, Mixing formats and genres um, as well, and and it's it's the same idea, you know. Just where where is the consistency and cohesiveness of of the work? Um, you know, sending you know color work with black and white, and you know different formats, thirty five with large format with whatever. Um, you get to see a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I mentioned this briefly before, um, if you have any doubts whether this image should be in the submission, then chances are it should not. So if, if somebody has to sit down and think, well, I'm not sure about this, then let that be the clue that maybe it should not. Mm. Let out, put it aside, and then see if the body of work is stronger for, for its removal. Um, Technical issues, uh, the content, you know, again, might be great, but um, if it's not, you know, if the lighting is off, if, you know, the blacks look gray, if it's a muddy looking picture, just just take it out because it, it will distract from the strength of the rest of the body of work as well. Yeah. And there's probably something to be said for adhering to the guidelines. Absolutely. I... Um, 
well, I write a lot of grants for Enfoco, and that was a learning experience also, <laughs> uh, learning to do that. But uh, reading it three times, writing, you know, writing the whatever the submission requirements out, whether it's an artist statement or whether it's, you know, uh, if you need to write a short proposal, you know, what you hope to do um, in the span of time or with the funding if, if it's, you know, for for a major grant or something along those lines. Read it three times. Write what you think your interpretation of it is and then go back and read the guidelines again and then and then do the comparison and see if it matches. Which, of course, you know, for all the artistic procrastinators out there <laughs> is is a lot of work and, you know, uh, best to not start the night before it's due. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to include the the uh, website in, in Foco on on the blog. But tell us how people who are interested can get involved in in the work that you're doing there. Uh, well, uh, there's there's a variety of ways. Um, sign. I would suggest artists should definitely sign up for email newsletter. Um, we send it out once a month, and not only do we talk about you know what is going on at Enfocal, whether it's you know our own call for entries or what exhibition is going on or or you know where we're going to be, um, you know if we're fortunate enough to to travel to other photo related events, um, but we also list a lot of opportunities. Um, we love being able to say, you know, hey, there's a call for entry for this show over here. And, you know, Center for Photography at Woodstock has a deadline on April, I want to say 3rd. Oh, he'll kill me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> I think it's April 3rd for their Artist in Residence program. Um, so, you know, because we do feel that we're all stronger by supporting each other and sharing information, Um you know, so that's that's one way to get involved. You know, at the very least, um, you know, it's it's no strings attached. You know, you just get this email once a month and uh, you do what you will with it. Um, actually, I just got an email by a photographer a couple of days ago uh, saying, thank you so much for listing it because I started submitting and then she got into a couple of shows. So that's kind of exciting. That's awesome. Um, we have a membership and Foco has a membership uh, for photographers and there's um, – there's a bunch of membership benefits for it, uh, you know, discounts at, at certain labs, um, reciprocal benefits at other photo museums and organizations, um, you know, around around the country, um, a, a subscription to Nueva Luz Photographic Journal is also included in membership as well, and uh, discounts uh, to our professional development workshops. Uh, we have a portfolio review session coming up on June 20th. If uh, you know anybody listening happens to be in New York or wants to go to New York, um, we're going to have about 20 um, curators and editors just waiting to look at your work. Um, we'd had the last one. We had uh, a lot of photographers received exhibitions and residencies as a result as a direct result so that's that's really exciting too yeah. um membership uh get a subscription to nueva luz um there are very well we're a non-profit 
So, um, you know, any, any kind of participation also helps sustain, uh, you know, the publication of the journal and the artist honorariums. Um, we firmly believe in, in being able to support the artists in that way as well. Great. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask my guests to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover. And it can be anyone, um, but I'm wondering who that is for you and why. Oh, goodness. Okay. Because I was going to say, you know, he's going to ask me about a book. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know what book to recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the I, I have to say... Um, Alejandro's work just really, really blew me away, and I think that would be um, that would be a wonderful discovery for for anyone. Um, Alejandro Chaskielberg. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> it's a, not a traditionally Argentinian name, but um, his. Uh, uh, his website is c h a s k i e l b e r g dot com. It's his last name, um, and that was the work that you and I were just speaking about. Yeah, and, and I heartily encourage for anybody who's listening to the show to take a look at that work because it really, it really tests your the limits of what you think a, photo- a photograph can be, mm-hmm. you know, and what you can do with. With 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 technology, right. you know, or lack of exactly, you know. exactly. That's that's. I, I mean, to to me, that's really exciting, especially in in this. You know, everybody's so. Uh, it's it's a technology kind of world these days. So you know, here's this guy, you know, putting his equipment in a canoe and going up river for you know, mm-hmm. to shoot in the moonlight. I mean, that's it's really wonderful. Well, it was a true pleasure to have the opportunity to, to, to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com, post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com website, or post a message on the Candid Frame fan group on Facebook. And lastly, for you motorcycle enthusiasts out there who are curious, Miriam's ride is a BMW R1150R. Just thought you might like to know. Till next time, this is Ivarin X Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com